Uh, I will be reading from Psalm 55, verses 12 to 14. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshippers. I'll also be reading from Luke 7, verses 36 to 43. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. The wounds we share. Let me take you to my first heading, the wounds we share. Brokenness can destroy us. The wounds we share often threaten to kill us. It's one thing to have an open physical wound it's quite another to have a wound of the heart. A friend betrays us, another deserts us, a colleague undermines us, a spouse is unfaithful to us, our children make foolish decisions. Sometimes these wounds are inflicted in spite of us. In other words, there are some wounds that are caused by acts of vengeance, but some are just acts of indifference. They are done without us in mind at all. Some of our deepest wounds have been inflicted by people who never set out to hurt us. And even when they were aware of the hurt they caused, it made absolutely no difference. 
Some of our deepest wounds are caused by people who don't even care whether our existence matters at all. I wonder whether you've ever had the experience of a wound caused when you suddenly realize that the place of importance you thought you occupied in someone's life just turned out to be a myth. Either way, the wounds inflicted it to spite us, the wounds in spite of us can often be killing wounds. They are septic things. They are riddled with infection. They are gashes that lack the precision of the neat surgeon's cut. Well-meaning people will say to you something like, well, you know, don't take it too personally. But wounds are personal. And wounds have the powerful potential to somewhat cancel out who we are. Wounds attack the very identity of who we are. A wound that I find personally painful is when I'm ignored. It triggers a sense of rejection, undermining my sense of who I am and my worth, even though I am a beloved son of the Heavenly Father. Wounds by strangers, wounds by enemies, wounds caused by someone close. That's a different matter, isn't it? I wonder if you heard the anguish of the wounds caused that was read to us by Vicky in Psalm 55, 12 to 14. The psalmist writes, if an enemy were insulting me, well, I could endure it. If a foe was rising up against me, well, I could hide. But it's, but it's you. It's a man like myself, my, my companion, my, my close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked among the worshipers. These wounds of a friend are something of the wounds that Karen knows. Karen lived in Germany and was married to a physician named Ed, whom she supported for five years as he went through medical school. Karen would say, I, I had friends who would always complain about their husbands, but I, I used to walk away shaking my head. I could never complain about my husband. He, he was perfect. Karen and Ed were overjoyed to bring identical twins into the world. Life was beautiful and life could get no better. It got better. Karen was a Christian, and after their third child was born, Ed made a profession of faith. He was baptized, and they started renovating their house. Ed then suggested that Karen go and take the kids to Canada for three months while the house was being redone. Well, this made sense to Karen. The, the house would be gutted, the roof was being renovated, and the place would largely be unlivable. She hopped on a plane in March 1994 with the kids kissing her weeping husband and saying goodbye. He phoned them every day for a week. And then he phoned to tell Karen something else. He told her that he'd been having an affair for several months with a 26-year-old radiology technician. He didn't want Karen and the kids to come back. He wanted a divorce. When Karen asked him how all this could happen, he said that he'd been watching the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, and that was a sign from God. Karen's life was shattered. She cried every day for three years. Her heart was sometimes swollen with rage. 
At the time, she was withered in grief. She struggled with weariness, bitterness, and hopelessness. She clung to God. She pleaded with God to come near. She feared that somehow she might slip away, go, going heading spirously into something of a cold black nothingness. She begged that God would give her life, and sometimes she wanted to take her own. But every day she had to pull herself together to get her kids ready for school, feed them, be a mother. Ed divorced Karen shortly afterwards and was now newly married and another family on the way. He'd moved into a posh suburb and he had renovated the house exactly according to the spec that he and Karen had once planned. He'd started his own practice and his practice was flourishing. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising up against me, I could hide from him, but it is you, my companion, it is you, my close friend, it is you, my husband, it is you, my wife, you, my friend, the one with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. His wounds are deep. And the question that I want to ask this morning is this, and it's a really hard question. We can never be cured of our wounds. In other words, we can never not face wounds. But can the wounds heal us? Can our wounds heal us? Can messy, poisoned wounds, can they heal us? Is it possible ever to find that a wound inflicted knowingly, unknowingly, Despite us, in spite of us, is it possible for deep wounds which feel like death, is it possible for them to give us life? Can you see and feel your wounds? I'm sure you can. Can you see and feel the wounds of others? I hope you can. Can you see and feel the wounds that you've inflicted on others? I hope you've got the honesty to face them. In Luke 7, which Vicky read for us, did you notice that the self-righteous Pharisee could neither see nor feel the wounds of the woman at Jesus' feet? Did you pick that up? Then Jesus turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? He didn't see a woman, did he? He saw someone that had invaded his quarantine, his religious sanctuary. Ah, he sees a prostitute. He sees a tramp. He doesn't see this woman. He did not see a woman that was broken by the wounds of sin and shame. So I ask you again this morning, can wounds be a source of real healing? It seems impossible at times, doesn't it? Mark's father was a, was a drunk, plain and simple. One Christmas, Mark's father got hired to play Santa Claus for an end-of-year party. He got so drunk, he never came home. Mark's mother knew this day would come 
She was watching the clock every hour, and when she knew that he wasn't coming home, she bundled herself into the car, went looking for him, and she found him crumpled up on a snowbank. She did manage to get him home, but soon after that, while he slipped off yet another hangover, she went to see a lawyer. The question is deep, and the question is profound. Can wounds themselves be a source of great healing? The wounds we share move us to the wounds of Christ. Zechariah 13, I won't ask you to turn there, is one of the most remarkable prophecies about the wounds of Christ, about the sufferings of Messiah. Zechariah 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, On that day a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. On that day I will banish the names of the idols from the land and they will be remembered no more, declares the Lord Almighty. I will remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land. And as you look at verse 1 and 2, it, it, it's a promise that one day Messiah would come and he would, he'd open up a whole, a whole fountain to, to cleanse people and, and cleanse them from their sin and impurity and a, and, and a promise that, that in the coming he would, he would actually banish idols from the human heart by washing them clean and giving them a new heart. But as you follow this prophecy and you go down to verse 6, we start to understand how this takes place. How does this Messiah bring this cleansing and this, 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 this cleansing from impurity and this, and this washing away of the idols? Verse 6, if someone asks, what are these wounds on your body? They will answer, the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. And then verse 7, awake sword against my shepherd. Against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn my hand against the little ones. You see, cleansing, healing from wounds of sin will come at the hands and the feet and the body of Christ inflicted by his own friends, inflicted by his own people. It's by the wounds of the shepherd that the sheep will be healed. It's by the wounds of the shepherd the sheep will be healed. The wounds inflicted by the close companions in Psalm 55, the wounds inflicted by friends in Zechariah 13, they find their fulfillment in Christ. Jesus, a prophet who was not honored in his own town, betrayed by his closest friends, denied by Peter three times. At his arrest, all his disciples fled. Jesus rejected by his own brothers, his own people, by the Jewish leaders, by the Jewish nation. So the wounds we share with Christ, the wounds we inflict, and the wounds inflicted on us ultimately find their mark, literally find their mark in Christ. Do you remember the words of Thomas? 
after the resurrection, John 20, remember the words of Jesus to Thomas? Put your finger, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. These wounds we give and receive are gathered into the wounds he took. These wounds we give and receive are gathered into the wounds he took. By his wounds we are healed, says Isaiah. See, we gave those wounds. We lunged that spear. We brandished that hammer. We lashed that whip. We pressed down those thorns. By the very wounds we inflicted on him, we are healed. By the very wounds we inflicted on him, we are healed. And then what we have to understand is that the wounds we take are the wounds that he shares in and gives ultimate meaning to. So in Colossians 1.24, in our woundedness, Paul says that we, we fill up in our flesh what was lacking in the afflictions of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, In our woundedness, the sufferings of, of Christ overflow into us so that the comfort of Christ may overflow in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10, Paul says that in our woundedness, we carry around in our bodies the death of Christ so that his life may be seen in us. The wounds we inflict and the wounds inflicted are a, way, are a way of knowing the one who was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Wounds are one of God's deepest forms of intimacy. The weight of the world's sickness on and the weight of the world's sickness and sin was braided into a whip and brought down on Jesus' back. It was woven into a thorny crown and pushed on his head. It was shaped like a rough cross. It was pressed hard on his body. It was forged into cold metal and driven through the soft part of his hands. Remember these words? Read for us by uh, Martin a little bit earlier. Paul says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. If you look at that scripture, Paul, Paul is inviting us not to see our wounds as random, not to see them as accidental, not to see them as acts of vengeance or some sort of retaliatory evil by an evil person, but to see our wounds as a communion with Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I want to know Christ, yes, the power of his resurrection. Amen, amen, and amen. But that's not where Paul finishes. 
I want to know Christ. Yes, the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. To which we want to say, no, Lord. Is there another way? Is there a better way? Is there a detour? Is there a shortcut to resurrection power? Well, there isn't. Because we need to journey with Christ into the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, make this, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Well, further down, verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Did you see the change? Did you pick up the new ones? In verse 39, if it is possible, there's the question. He's received the answer, hasn't he? If it is not possible. My brothers and sisters, if we are to commune with Christ, then it is not possible for the wounds to stop or to be taken away. But the healing truth is this. Wounds are in Christ's economy. They are a means of God's wooing. They are the strange kiss of God. But they are the reverse of the Judas kiss. Wounds that are Kisses to restore and not to betray. The pain of wounds then becomes a narrow passage that leads into a unique intimacy with the suffering Messiah. So the wounds that heal. you remember the film that was uh, back in 1999, a long time ago now. It was a somewhat odd, dark comedy movie called Being Like John Malkovich. And in the movie, this man discovers a secret passageway, which is lightless, cramped, dirty, and cold. But this passageway whisks people into the mind of the actor John Malkovich. Those who go through it find themselves seeing the world as John Malkovich sees it. As they go into his mind, they start to see what he sees and feel what he feels, experience what he experiences, respond how he responds. The gospel promises that if we belong to Christ, we have the mind of Christ. And here is what each of us have to discover personally at some point in an ongoing way. Wounds are one of the main passageways into the mind of Christ. The tight, frightening tunnel that ushers us into a fresh way of seeing where we begin to perceive and respond to the world as 
Jesus does. I mentioned to you Karen and Ed earlier. She found that the wounds inflicted on her became not healed wounds. In some ways, she says they remained unhealed, but, but, but they did become healing wounds. She said they had taken her deeper into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. She writes, there were times, many times, when all her strength was gone from her. She was hollowed out, swallowed up, deathly weary and weary for death. Yet she kept discovering what we must all discover in the places of deepest loneliness and emptiness, that God was with her and God was for her. She started to discover Christ's presence from the inside out. She started to see what Jesus sees. She started to feel what Jesus feels. She now had a sense of what the world looks like from the perspective of the cross. She knew the darkness from inside the grave. And she knew the brightness of new day when the world is glimpsed through an empty tomb when the stone is rolled away. I'm on this journey, and so are you. Starting to learn, starting to perceive that the wounds given and the wounds received, they help me to hear the Word of God a little bit better. Wounding and being wounded and the grief and the pain that comes from that can and does bring me into a closer intimacy with Christ. You see, wounds are designed to to open up all our spiritual senses so that we can hear more clearly from the Word of God. We can hear the, the, the inflections of anger, heartache, and joy from our Lord in the Psalms like Psalm 55, in the prophecies, Zechariah 13, from the very Lord Himself on the cross. Wounds help us to feel, see, hear, smell, touch, sin, and shame. Not just our own, but the world's. We see, hear, smell, touch with Christ on the cross. Not crying out, Father, kill them. But rather, Father, forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. My invitation to you this morning is to to see your wounds. To feel your wounds. Let the wounds of others touch you. See and feel the wounds that you have given. Simon the Pharisee would never dare let the wounds of a woman touch him. touched the wounds of others like Jesus did. He touched the leper, didn't he? He allowed a woman hemorrhaging to touch him. I 
wonder if you know the name Bruce Marciano. Does that name ring a bell to some of you? Bruce Marciano. He, he was the actor that played the role of Jesus in the film version Matthew, and that was released many, many years ago. Bruce Marciano played that role. He recounts the scene where Jesus denounces and calls down curses on unrepentant cities. And here's the scene that he came to and he needed to portray. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. When Marciano got to this point, he, 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 said, he said he couldn't get the voice right. He said he, he asked himself, how on earth does the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, God incarnate, how does the Messiah speak words of doom and damnation? How does he do that? And here's what Marciano said. Quote, he said, I was standing in front of 500 people, cast members, Moroccan extras, sounds and lighting crews, and suddenly something happened in a fraction of a second. I'm not a mystical person, but what happened was so horrible that my heart broke. I saw people living their lives in ways that God didn't plan. The closest I came to describing it would be what parents might feel if they look out the window and see their toddler walking into the street with a truck approaching. The scream for the child to come back, but the little one keeps on walking. Marciano said that he broke down and cried for an hour. Then he did the scene. Woe, woe to you. Corazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. This time, Bruce Marciano said he got the voice right. Through our wounds, the ones we give and the ones that we take, God helps us to get the voice right. He helps us to hear His voice. And he allows us that when we speak to others that we speak with the right voice, with the right tone, with the anger of the beloved heartache or the urgency of the parent's warning or the tender whisper of the father who wants his child home no matter what time, day or night. Wounds allow us to see the crowds Allow us to see the woman, the drunk, the prodigal. They allow us to see the... And allow us to speak the words that Jesus spoke. Woe to you. Go in peace. Woe to you, but go in peace. Come to me and discover that the voice is always the same. 
It's a voice of love. The side of the Jordan River, the side of the heavenly promised land, God has not promised to remove the wounds or to stop them coming. I have prayed so many times that God would do just that. I have prayed so many times that God would obliterate my past and remake it. I've asked the Lord so many times, take this cup from me. Spare me the wounds, Lord. And if you aren't going to spare me the wounds, then spare me the scars that I carry. There is a deep ache. There is a deep ache in the flesh and the memory. God does not remove the past. And the past comes bearing its wounds. But if I have eyes to see it and ears to hear it, God actually does do something better. He redeems the wounds. Because they are intended to make us a little wiser, slower to judge, more discerning, more forgiving, more open to forgiveness. Yes, more shrewd, but certainly more trusting. Wounds are intended to know Christ better. And here's the amazing thing. To become more like Him. That was the very thing we were singing with the kids, weren't we? To become more like? But it's much deeper. And yes, it is much more painful. The one way we recognize the risen Christ is by His scars. The one way we recognize the risen Christ is by His scars. And He wears His scars like medals of honor. And so they are. And so they are. By His wounds, we are healed. And we're being healed.